I'm so excited about today. We had a Holy Spirit class this weekend, Friday night, Saturday, and then this morning, um, taught by one of my mentors, someone who has meant so much to my life. Uh, in so many ways, our relationship has only uh, begun in the last uh, year or so, but I've also already learned so much from this man. Uh, would you please welcome Dr. Jim Hayford to the stage? Good morning. How are we doing? Great. Glad to hear that. Good. Well, the Lord has definitely gotten our attention already today. I think we could just go home now. When I think about the announcement that Pastor made to us about the grief and the pain that some people who are dear and near to you are experiencing... I've walked through these kinds of things with many, many people over the years. And it's always amazing to see how God uses these situations in people's lives. And there's something he wants to teach you about himself as you walk through this with him. One of the things I know for sure is that when a child is taken from us in that way, that in fact it is an expression of the mercy of God. That God in his infinite mercy is alleviating that child of suffering in this life and that family. That that particular spacesuit was not ready to accommodate on this earth. And to know that he loves that family and that life so much that he has taken him to himself. And he didn't put him in some kind of eternal maternity ward in heaven. I mean, this is an eternal spirit that God has great plans for and use for. So it's um, keep them in your prayers. And the thing that I liked about, and I mentioned this in the last service and it happened again, the thing I liked about this announcement, as difficult as it is to make, is that this church's response was to continue to worship God. Amen? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And in this beautiful reflection that our sister has shared out of her life today that brings so much meaning to communion. I've always felt that communion is so incredibly important, this sacred meal that we can eat together from time to time, that we must take time to reflect on it. We must take time to understand why we do what we do the way that we do it. And for so many churches, that it's just something they kind of just add on. And thank you for helping us to, to take a look at communion through your eyes and it opened ours as well. So that's beautiful. So you're doing okay? You know, I, uh, I have co- uh, occasion to drive through Milton and Edgewood quite a bit. My wife, Betsy, who's seated over here, um, she came to the second service. She couldn't handle me twice. You know, she wasn't... I don't know if she can handle me once, but at any rate, she uh, she's here for the service. And we live in Browns Point, which isn't very far from here. And I have occasion to have to travel over to Puyallup quite a bit for some different things going on over there in my life. And so I drive this street out here uh, regularly. And this week I was driving down here and and uh, said, there's something different. Something's different around here. This, what's 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 going on here? It doesn't feel right. 
There's a bug flying around up here. Did I get him that time? That hurt. I said, what's different? And I looked around and realized that the, the barrels and the cones are gone. So we're celebrating the barrels and the cones Sunday being gone, all right? I've been driving that road for three years, and they've been out there. It's like an obstacle course. You couldn't even see this town for all of the orange things. So it's kind of nice. Kind of looks normal now. Yeah. So how about that? So you're not as excited about it as I am, and I don't even live here. And then another thing I'm excited about is that this week I turned 70 years of age. I know uh, looking at me, that's hard to believe, but it's, it's the truth. And so, wow. I have enjoyed uh, spending the last couple of days with a group of you in a, a seminar that we called the Third Person Seminar, which was a, taking a closer look at the person and the work of the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And... Um, I've really enjoyed doing that, and I, I've had a lot of wonderful responses from people. And we're going to kind of wrap that up today with a, a brief presentation, uh, which I think for each and every one of us, there needs to be a, a certain kind of response. And I'll just kind of start, tell you at the beginning where we're going at the end of this. So the reason we've kind of changed the order of the service, I don't know if you noticed, but there wasn't as much uh, musical worship this morning as normally because that's coming later and the reason for that is so that that I'll have an opportunity to pray with some people that might want to receive prayer this morning and then you can still all go home at the same time isn't that nice we try and think of everything but the bottom the bottom line is I'd like to pray with people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so there it is you say what in the world is that and so um, you didn't go to the seminar, but I want you to understand that, that uh, we believe that the Bible teaches that there is an amazing work of the grace of God that can be received by faith in people's lives that is subsequent to their salvation. I believe that the Bible teaches that when you receive Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Savior, which, by the way, no one can do that for you, that is an act of your will, it is not the result of a baptism. It is not the result of a dedication. It is not the result of any tradition. It's the result of an act of one's personal will. I have decided to give my life to Christ because I understand that I need a Savior, because I understand that I'm a sinner, and I need to experience the forgiveness of my sins. And Jesus on his cross has provided that forgiving factor for me. And so we place our faith in Christ. And the Bible teaches us that when we give our life to Christ, that what actually happens, this thing that we call redemption, this thing that we, we refer to as new birth. Some of you times we just say getting saved. That what's actually happening is that the Spirit of God is coming to live in your life. And the Bible says that you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God, at that point in time, desires to live in you. And to make his presence known. I taught the people at the seminar this week that a study of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, is simply a study of the presence of God. God in us. 
doesn't make us gods. There's nothing weird about it. We're not talking about something odd. We're just talking about the ability to accommodate the presence of God by virtue of the fact that the Holy Spirit has come to each one of us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We call that redemption, new birth, new life, born again. But the Bible teaches that as we grow in our faith and we grow in our spiritual formation, that there comes a time when the the same will that we use to receive Christ into our life can be exercised to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus that out out of our innermost being would flow a river of living water. You see, the living water came into you at salvation through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a beverage. The Holy Spirit isn't an experience. The Holy Spirit is God. And he's come into our life. It's, it's, it's a humbling thing to think that he would come and, and live in us like that. And one of the great lessons of the Christian experience is to learn to acknowledge the presence of God. To remember that, that he's there. Not to forget somehow. Because we're not feeling him or something. Things aren't going the way they ought to. So he must have left. Well, he never left. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Someone once said that if you feel far from God right now, then you've received him into your life. Well, guess who moved? He didn't. We're just not paying attention to him. And so we learn in the, in, the, in the Christian experience how to, to pay attention to God without getting religious about it, but, but entering into a, a personal and an intimate and an enjoyable relationship with Him that, that works 24 and 7. The, the, the sense of the presence of the Lord is just as real to you when you're at work as when you're at home or as when you're in a church. Because we finally learned that God doesn't live in buildings like this. He lives in us. And that's very humbling when you begin to think about it. But the subsequent work of the Holy Spirit that we refer to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we exercise our will and say, I want the presence of God to permeate permeate every part of my life. And the same will that has received the Spirit wills for the Holy Spirit to baptize us. The word baptism comes from a Greek word used in the Bible, baptismo, which means to come under the influence. When a person asks the Lord to baptize them with the Holy Spirit, they're saying, Lord, I want to fully and completely come under your influence. I don't want just to host you. I want you to permeate every area of my life. My spirit, yes, but my soul, my body, my personality, my relationships, the opportunities of ministry. I want you to fill me. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, I came that you might have life and that you might live it to the full. And when he prophesied and said that out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. So your pastor, who trusts me, asked me to come and to talk to you about that and to ask you, you know, where you are with this and to just simply invite you to to grow in the fullness of God's Spirit. Some of you maybe have never received the Spirit of God into your life by faith in the first place. There wouldn't be a better time to do that than this morning. 
can be the first day of the rest of your life. But for others of us, there, there, there's a, a need to just release the power of the Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us say, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to experience His refreshing in our life. We need to live our lives full of His presence. And this comes intentionally. We ask for that to happen. You don't just hang around church buildings and hope it will happen. You ask the Lord. And then you receive by faith what you've asked Him to do for you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So I just want to come along. And so we have these these different dispositions on this subject. Um, and I might just ask you, where are you with this? You know, you're very contented. You know, you, know, you, you wish, frankly wish I'd just sit down and be quiet now. You, you're okay. You know, I've heard enough of this. You don't have to talk anymore. I got it. Great. I'm happy for you. The point of the matter is that you may be absolutely, totally, completely content in your sense of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, but do you know how to explain it to other people? Do you know how to introduce your children to that reality? Are you communicative about this? Or is it just a personal experience that you keep to yourself? So it's, sometimes it's good for somebody to come along, along like this and do a seminar and help you learn how to articulate what you believe. That's what I had to do. I believed in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but I had to learn to articulate it. I had to be able to talk about it, converse about this, explain to people why I believe what I believe and the difference that it can make in my life. Some people are skeptical and hesitant. Every time somebody brings up the term Holy Spirit, you get freaked out. You know, it sounds like Halloween or something. And some of you have seen some things go on in your life that were called the Holy Spirit and it whacked you out, frankly. There were some people carrying on in ways that you don't even relate to and they were calling it the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or something like that. So somebody comes along and tries to have a rational, sane, sensitive, sound conversation with you, the with the authentic ministry of the Holy Spirit, and you're immediately skeptical. And I understand that. But I'd like for you to set your skepticism aside and just listen to the Word of God. Listen to reason. Listen to the promise. Receive what God has for you. Don't stumble in your own spiritual development because some other well-meaning people have gotten it wrong. That's just an excuse. I have a phrase that I've been using for a number of years in my life, and it's just contending for the authentic. I want to spend my life contending for the authentic manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not interested in being a freak. I'm not interested in being super spiritual. I'm not interested in being religious. I'm interested in having an intimate, complete, whole relationship with God, just like he promised. And I think it has everything to do with understanding the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Where are you with this today? He said, I don't even think about this. I'm thinking about my car. I'm thinking about a football game. I'm thinking about my job. I'm thinking about my kids. There's a lot of things to think about. And they're all okay. But every once in a while, we need to think about where are we in our spiritual development? Where are we in our spiritual formation? And what in the world is the difference that all of that is making in the quality of our life. 
What do you do when you hear the pastor make an announcement like he made today about that family in such deep grief? And how do you balance that with Jesus' statement? I came that you might have life and that you might live it to the full. I can't imagine this young couple going through what they're going through right now without the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad they're a part of a spirit-filled family. I know their parents. I love their parents. And I know that they're, they're, they are going to find the right frame of reference to deal with this huge loss. That is why God has given us his presence. I, I can't imagine people dealing with the pain and the frustration and, and the surprises in life outside of God's grace and God's hope and God's presence. Can you, do you remember what that was like for you? Is that the way it is for you now? You know, some people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that their response would, would be, well, you know, I'm, I'm a newborn Christian. And I'm just up for anything. And it's exciting. I love to talk to people like that. They haven't been Christians long enough to have to unlearn anything. They haven't been Christians long enough to complicate it. Some of us have been Christians too long. It's complicated. Like this lady was saying, very complicated system of very well-intentioned people. You know, they had all kinds of hoops. You've got you to get baptized, then you've got to take communion. And if you haven't had baptism, you can't take communion. If you take communion, you don't say it, and you don't, you don't, you don't. And we just line up all these hoops for people to jump through, and we call that faith. What that is, is man controlling the way that we think and believe about God. So I'd like to think of myself, quite frankly, I hope this doesn't sound irreverent, but I'd like to think of myself as not being particularly religious. Because my definition of religion is man trying to impress God. And I decided a long time ago I can't. <laughs> so stop trying. I'm just going to enjoy a relationship with him that he's offered to me. And it's all based on his performance, not mine. It's based on what he did for me, not what I can do for him. Amen? So relax. Get all the sweat out of it. Christianity has B.O. There's too much works in it. We need to relax. And just enjoy God. We have complicated so much that most people don't want anything to do with it. The reason these seats are empty today is people are saying, what you guys do is too complicated for me to even understand. And how come there's another one of you a hundred yards from here? This blows my mind. We've got to work it out. We've got to make it clear. We've got to be able to say, the reason, this is the reason I believe what I believe. This is the reason I do what I do. And because it's truth, it's universal, eternal truth that you've embraced, it will make sense to people if we can just learn to keep it simple. Hello? Some people are long-time Christians and are just discovering the Spirit-filled life. I want to share with you, I'm going to kind of skip through this, and I want to share with you this passage of Scripture for a couple of minutes because I really don't have 
the amount of time that I'd like to have with you on this gigantic subject this morning. But this is an interesting occasion found in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. The, the 19th chapter of the book of Acts took place approximately 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So this wasn't like a week and a half after the day of Pentecost. This was 20 years later in another country, Turkey, you know, where they eat falafel. These weren't a bunch of Jewish people. They were a bunch of Turks. Anybody here Turkish? Good, then I can say what I want. I'm glad I'm not Turkish. That's a strange name. Oh, you're a Turkey? I mean, a Turkish? You know, I, I, excuse me, but it's just, you know, it's just a little strange. These were Turkeys. These were Turks. And 20 years after the day of Pentecost, these fellows that we read about in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts were filled with the Holy Spirit. But they did it all wrong. It was all wrong. They had it all messed up. And I love this because most of us have it all messed up. So I really relate to these guys. And I love the way that the Apostle Paul handles their confusion, the fact that they weren't jumping through all the hoops correctly. So let me read this passage of Scripture and briefly comment it. So while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. So by the way, Betsy and I are going to Ephesus on a cruise ship next June. And if you would like to go, ask me about it. A little advertising. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, well, who's the Holy Spirit? I don't know what you're talking about. But notice that the context here, he's talking to some group of people that the Holy Bible calls disciples, which is a word that interchangeably means they were believers. They were followers. Jesus was someone that they took very seriously. But they'd never even heard of the Holy Spirit. You know, there, there wasn't any uh, CBN back in those days. You know, there wasn't any Christian broadcasting network. Information was moving rather slowly. They said, well, we, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul didn't say, well, you're messed up. He didn't say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. You guys, shoot, you're into false doctrine here. He doesn't treat them like that. Let me, I'll explain that in a minute. He just says, uh, so Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, well, John's baptism. So this could have blown his mind because John's baptism, which was the baptism that Jesus was baptized under, was a Jewish oblation. It wasn't a Christian baptism. Jesus wasn't a Christian. Did you know that? Did you know Jesus wasn't a Christian? And did you know that when you get baptized in water, you're not getting baptized because Jesus did? Because Jesus got baptized for an entirely different reason than we're supposed to get baptized. He got baptized as a Jew. And those people at that particular time were repenting of the fact that they were not anticipating the return of the Messiah. They were repenting of that. And these Ephesian Tur Turks, Gentiles, had gotten baptized in a Jewish baptism. They had totally screwed it up. But Paul doesn't condemn him. He doesn't criticize him. He just keeps asking questions. So they said John's baptism. So Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. 
And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is, that is in Jesus. And said, well, we believe in Jesus. It's implied there. We believe in Jesus. So here we are. We had never heard of the Holy Spirit. We had a Jewish baptism and we believe in Jesus. So what happens to us? Do we go to hell? I guess we can't take communion now. We haven't done it right. We haven't crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. We are religious failures here. But that is not the way that the apostle responds to them. And so on hearing this, they were, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, that sounds a little spooky. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues. That's even spookier. They prophesied. That's even spookier. And there were about 12 guys that this happened to 20 years after the day of Pentecost. So what can we learn from that story? Listen to me very carefully. We can learn that God looks on the heart and not on the outward appearance. Did you hear me? That's one of the most important things you'll ever learn about God. He looks at your heart. He doesn't look at whether you've got all your theology correct. Theology can't save people. Did you know that? I've been a pastor for 50 years and I've never seen doctrine save anybody. It's the gospel that saves people. It's the good news that saves people. God looks at people's hearts. He's looking at people's hearts all over the world right now. So don't be worrying about everybody in the world, whether God loves them or whether he's being fair with them. He's looking at people's hearts. But when he brings the truth to you, like these men, they finally got it straight. And their hearts were open to everything that God had for them. He said, if that's the truth, then that's what I want to live in. That's what I want to experience. And they had this amazing spiritual experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit stirred up in their lives. And the promise came true for them that out of their innermost being began to flow a river of living water. Isn't that beautiful? I'm just talking to you here. You notice I'm not preaching at you. I'm not trying to convince you that you've got to believe me and do exactly what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that this is what I've discovered. And as I go around and share this with people, people say, wow, I wanted that. That's for me. That's what I've been looking for. I'm not just looking for theological perfection. I'm looking for God to respond to the desire of my heart. And the desire of my heart is I want more of God. So I'd ask this question, and nobody has to raise your hand right now. Do you want more of God? Somebody might say, not particularly, fine. But if you want more of God, do you know probably what you're hungering for? Is the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. For some of you, it's the baptism. It's the initial, for some of you, it's the initial salvation. For some of you, it's the, the response of the initial baptism. But all of us, regardless of where you are in your spiritual continuum, could use a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit this morning. Can you say amen to that? I could use that. Yeah. So I offer you that today. We're going to spend the remainder of our time together here just worshiping the Lord. And some of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. But you also know that 
you've been dry inside. You know that you've been distracted. You know that you're experiencing God is kind of flat right now. Ask him for more. Ask him to freshly fill you with the Holy Spirit right while you're standing here worshiping God. Why not? But there's others of you that I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray with you. Maybe you've never opened your life to Christ. You've never said, Lord, I want, I want to make a decision for myself. I want you to come into my life. I need you as my Savior. I'd like to pray for you about that. Or maybe you're a person who says, you know, no one's ever told me that I need to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to pray for you if you'd like to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you that say, I've asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I'd really like to see the activity of spiritual gifts in my life to a greater degree than anything I've seen. I'd like to pray with you for the stirring up of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. So if you fall into one of those three kind of general categories of needing to get right with God this morning, wanting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, or wanting to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit stirred up in you to a greater degree than they ever have been before, I'm going to invite you to go with me to a place that we've prepared just where we can privately pray. I don't want to make a spectacle out of you this morning. I just want to pray with you and talk with you for a minute. We're going to go do that while the rest of the church is just worshiping God. But I believe God wants to do something special for anybody that will call upon his name today. Because the Bible says that if you'll ask, you'll receive. If you'll seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, the door will be opened unto you. Because the Bible goes on to say, everyone who asks receives. Did you hear me? Everyone. There's no such thing as you asking for more of God and him saying, sorry, not today. That would be inconsistent with his very nature. He wants to answer your prayer. Everyone that asks receives. Everyone that seeks finds. Everyone that knocks, the door is open unto them. It's just a question of are you going to take the time to ask, to seek, or to knock? Or do you want to put it off for another day? So let's stand together now. I'm going to ask those of you that would like for me to pray for you this morning, if you would just join me back here to your right and my left where the gentleman in the blue shirt is standing, and we're going to go to a little prayer room, and I'm going to pray for you. The rest of you just stay here and continue to worship God. So join me over there if you'd like prayer. God bless you all.